Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I am Nate Jones. And I'm Christoph Newman. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. We're here to answer your questions about closure and functional programming. So tell us what is on your mind. We would love to hear from you. Are you curious about how to use some feature of the language like the most effectively? Are you curious about closure in comparison to maybe some other languages you're coming from? Are you uh, wondering like uh, how to use some new technique that you've heard of, but you're, you don't really know what it is? If any of those things are in your mind or more, uh, let us know because we would love to talk about them. Yeah, if you answered yes to any of those questions, or if you have any questions that we haven't thought of yet, uh, reach out to us. We want to hear from you. Uh, so you can reach out. There's three different ways. Uh, you can send us a tweet at Closure Design uh, or an email at feedback at closuredesign.club. Uh, or our favorite is if you hop into the Closure Design dash podcast channel on the Closure in Slack. Ask us a question there. And speaking of the Closure in Slack, yes. the question we're talking about this week came from the Closure in Slack. So we're having a, a fun uh, well, Johan initiated some discussion in there recently. Uh, he was referring back to the episode where we were talking about closure and data and open data and adding fields. So we had shapes. And the idea is you can have uh, a map that describes a shape and you could have that map. You can just keep augmenting it with more information depending on. So rather than using like classes and inheritance, the idea is you could have a field called area and whether whether that map is describing a triangle or whether it's describing a rectangle, you know that field area is still a valid kind of field. But that led to another question, which is really if we have functions, for example, calculating the area, if we have a function that can uh, calculate that. Like, why Why would I want to enrich the map with a field instead of just using a function to calculate it, right? So he asked, what is the benefit of enriching the map with fields and then extracting the value over just having a function that computes and returns the value? So really, like, if we're going to generalize this for this episode, the question is, like, with data... Should I add a derived field or just call functions to get that information about that entity? Yeah, I think um, I think one of the things that is good to understand about the example is um, that it's it's really hard to like it. It is a good example to show um, the. The, the the ability to be able to to augment uh, fields or to add, you know to add field, add fields to data, um, but it doesn't really get into you know where you would use that data. So I think um, I think for me the it really depends on how on how you intend on using that data. Um, so back when we were talking about the, um, the parsing log lines out of a file, um, we use a lot of a lot of addition of derived fields. You know, we had a log line and then we had 
you know, a bunch of fields that were parsed out of that. And then we had a bunch of, you know, we, at every stage, we added more derived data. Um, and and the, the point of that was so that we could query the data. So we could, we could filter it, we could um, uh, map it, we could do all, all the closure functions on it um, to answer different questions. And we we could have done those with just by keeping the the functions out, but then we would have, would have been recalculating that information again and again, instead of instead of enriching the data about more facts about itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's that's a great example, especially because of Closure's threading macro. So, like if you have a map, right? So you can do like the thread first macro, the arrow, the single arrow, and then you put the map's name. And then you put the field's name as a keyword, right? So it lets you just pick that field out. Well, like that field is like keywords are functions. So so like we could have we could have a field name called area. So if we were putting area in this in this shape entity, we could pick out the area just by taking okay thread from the shapes the map with the information and then the area keyword. Or we could have a function that computes the area. And we could put that function there instead. So so the way you use it, it feels almost analogous. Same thing if you're just going to use your traditional function call, right? You're going to do your parenthesis colon field name and then the map. Or you could do parenthesis no colon, <laughs> like area, and then the map, right? It, it feels analogous. But the, yeah, the key difference is every time you call that function, you have a certain penalty of computation. And if that map is immutable the contents of it aren't really going to change. So if you need to continually reference a value over and over and over, like if you're filtering on it or sorting on it, reducing using it, uh, any of these list operations like in in the log lines episodes, then you want to calculate that once and shove it in the map so you can just use it over and over and over and over without any performance penalty. Yeah, and it's especially when, like, just to, it, you, there are there are times when there are fields that are like calculating the area is is a relatively quick you know calculation. Hopefully, assuming you don't have like four thousand points, <laughs> um, but or like it's the perimeter. Sorry, um, but when there's a really high cost to that, that that. It, it, it just gets worse and worse. Um, and especially if you have to deal with things that are like, um, that involve IO, you know, like if you have a user object and you're like, oh, is this person registered? Well, I gotta go do a bunch of SQL queries and I gotta do, you know, joins and all this stuff just to figure out if they're, if they're registered or not. Well, I only wanna do that once and then I can enrich the data and then I can use that data um, to answer a bunch of questions, one of which might involve if the user's registered or not. Um, and, and it really makes that performance penalty to go away. And so that does kind of come back to the core question of who owns the creation or manipulation of the data versus, and by who, I'm, I really mean like what code owns the, the creation and manipulation of the data versus what code is, is using it, the so-called client code, if you will. Um, because it's it's even if you go if we go back and draw on like object oriented programming as a point of reference, right? Your your class code is a code that owns the abstraction, and that's where all the uh, you're in theory put all the stuff that 
you know, updates of fields, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then your mm-hmm. client code is using calling methods on the object in order to use the abstraction. So same thing in Clojure, where we have a namespace, and in that namespace you have a cohesive set of functions that really create the abstraction, right? Like in our back in our log lines episode, we had the abstraction of a log line and we had different enriched log lines, right? So we so you have code that creates that abstraction and also exposes all these functions for processing it. So it becomes a very straightforward activity when you're in that code to to choose to add enriched or or derived, you could say derived fields every time you you take the data and transform it and produce new data. You do some some operation on the data and you produce a new value. It's very straightforward to add enrich values. Uh, because that code is the place that does all the handling of the data. But whether or not you want to do that really depends on its usage. So if you're referring to things over and over again, then then it sort of puts a certain pressure on on the abstraction code to to augment and enrich more and more. So th- so there isn't like a right answer. It just depends on on how it's used. Yeah, and how and how open that usage is, how open that usage is you want to be. Like for the logline stuff, we wanted it to be as open as possible. We want we didn't know what questions we might have to answer in the future, and so as we as we encountered new questions, we could either add new functions or we could just enrich the data further, and then we didn't have to. We could just use the core closure to to answer the questions for us. Yeah, and so in the log lines case, we had these time intervals, like like the log lines were an accumulation of, of time intervals, like when I started working on something and I stopped working on something. And so a, a derived field that we saved there was number of minutes, like in that interval. Even though we could call a function, we had like you have to write a function. Like we had to write a <laughs> function to compute the number of minutes in the first place. Yes. But yet we we chose to save it as a field um, in the in the resulting structure, and and we did that because we wanted to ask all sorts of other questions. I think kind of one of our joke was like, you know, how how many minutes did I work on Tuesday or something like that, and so so we we had two uses going on there. We had one use where we need to know the minutes in the interval over and over and over and over and over. But then we have another use where we want to write these arbitrary queries to ask how many how many um, hours did I work on odd numbered Tuesdays and other like made up stuff like, oh, how many hours did I work over the weekend versus on weekdays or how many hours did I work outside of normal working hours? So the client code is is asking a lot of arbitrary questions. And so we, we couldn't pre-compute the answers to all of those arbitrary questions, so we just compute them on demand. Whereas the number of minutes in the interval, we, we know we need that over and over and over, so we pre-compute that, and then we, we had the namespace, all the code in the namespace that's maintaining that abstraction, maintain that derived field for any operation that was done on it, and, and even maintain it in the roll-ups that, that go up when we roll up smaller intervals into larger ones. Yeah, and I th- and I think it's it's one of the the one of the benefits or the the things that clo- so enclosure we generally speaking don't make new data types. We just use the built-in data types. Even def records 
are they they masquerade as 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 the built-in data types, and so um, be, because of that, there's this like gravity that kind of pulls you toward yes, you can make a function that extracts the data out, and if I only need it once, then just write a function. But if you know I'm going to need a lot, you're you're like oh well, I can just I can just put it's it's really easy the, the data the data is open. It's not closed. It's not like there's. I have to do a bunch of ceremony to add a new data field. In fact, it's it's so encouraged by the the namespacing that that closure gives us in keywords. Um, so we can just freely add, and because of that, we kind of tip that way, and and we continually add and and augment the data so that it makes it more flexible for for future unknown use cases. Yeah, and so then. Because we have immutability also, we get ourselves out of the derived field race condition problems that, that can show up in, in uh, other mu- mutation-oriented languages. So, so if you were to try to do the same sort of thing, you know, oh, you, you have a class or, or you know, record, well, I guess technically class, and, and then you have um, some value gets set and you compute derived fields, then the typical thing is you got to take out your lock so that you can go from one coherent internal state to the next coherent internal state atomically, even though it's going to involve multiple steps. So so now you have to take out your lock in order to do that. But because we're in, in an immutable language, the thread takes this value, does whatever it needs, and produces a new value. And and yeah. for a thread to use that, it has to get the reference to the new value. The old value can't get invalidated. So the semantics of immutability um, give you this baton pass where you, you go from the old reference to the new reference. So you don't have to worry so much about the steps required and race conditions around derived fields. And so so it's it it, it makes it le- like less reasoning has to happen. So it makes it like a really easy optimization to go, oh, you know, we keep we keep computing this property over and over and over. Let's just make a derived field and, and have our abstraction maintain it because yeah. it's l- less things that would be in a race window because you don't have race windows like that. Yeah, yeah. So you, 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 lose, you lose all the complexity of locks and you replace it with the simplicity of communication. And communication usually means just like, you communicate to a function by passing an argument. Like that's the most common form of communication enclosure. <laughs> um, you can have multi-threaded and you know passing back and forth with core async and stuff. That 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 also is communication. But um, but just straightforward. Here's a reference, and if you want the next one, here's a new reference. You know, you 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 lose all the lock complexity. Right, and it's it's like what we're familiar with in in client server development where you, you like your your client is running on a thread the server so to speak is running on a thread and the client sends the server some work to do and then the server sends the answer back you you don't have to worry about the client somehow um getting screwed up while the server is busy getting its job done right because <laughs> like well, it, if I, you if you do then you really need to revisit your architecture but yes <laughs> That's a At, that's quite a, a, a network aware data structure that you have there, uh, right? Of. Yeah, so so that kind of thinking is helpful, right? So so it's it's handing. So for example, in the log lines, 
uh, thing, what we were doing is we were taking all the discrete entries and we were creating a new data structure that summarized them all by day because we found that to be more useful. Um, because we work, turns out, uh, Nate, you and I work multiple different time intervals in one day. We don't just sit down for eight hours and... <laughs> oh, oh, what a dream world that would be. <laughs> Only one task yeah. to do in a day? No, I don't think so. Batman. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we had this we had this list of the discrete intervals and we handed it to a function and that function gave us back a list where they were bucketed by day. And then now we can ask that list questions using functions, so to speak, right? But that is already derived data. So the the same thing, it's it gets back to this whole concept of value-oriented programming, maintaining a coherent value, immutability helps you do this in a concurrent way without having to worry about race conditions. And once you realize like, oh, this thing is a value and I have code that maintains the value of this thing, you can you can feel free to add as many derived fields as is useful uh, in your problem domain. But you certainly can have functions. It's not that functions are bad. It's 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 just a very natural optimization. Like it, right. you have to write a function in the first place to create a derived field. And then you might notice, oh, wow, I just keep recomputing this over and over. Let me move it into a derived field. Right. Yeah, exactly. One of the one of the other things that I think that so if you have data, so in the log lines one we had, you know, our base data and then we 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 added another layer of data on top of it and then we added another layer on top of that. And every time we we called it we added a new abstraction, we basically ex- expanded the set of data. So at the end, the data had all of the abstractions from the top to the bottom present. So we could ask data, we could ask questions at at, at all those levels. Um, if if it was instead like nesting functions, like if I if I call a function to get a a, a derived uh, bit of information, and then I call another function on that, like so say I, I I call the function to get the days, and then I call the function to get the weeks. Well, at the end, I'd only have the weeks left. Like I wouldn't have any of the the, the smaller bits of data in there, and um, you could obviously pass them along. But but if if instead you augment the data, at the end the data has all that all that that spectrum, you know, from the the top level of abstraction to the bottom level at the same time, and so it makes it so that you can ask questions at multiple levels. And it's more amenable for inspection because then yeah. you're trying to figure out what's going on. You can you can pretty print out that data structure and see things. So if it's all computed on the fly, then then pretty printing it out, you just it's it's like the raw data and you don't know what happened in between. So now you're trying to like uh, stick print lines or something in the middle of this uh, function call <laughs> stack to see like what happened in the middle. So, so that's another reason to have derived is is so that you can see something as part of a much larger computation too. Um, when your REPL integration, you know, you 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 call the function that takes it from uh, state, you know, the, like step one to step two, you know, and from step two mm-hmm. to step three. Yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully this uh, answers the question. Uh, if you feel like you want more detail or. If uh, this raised even more questions in your mind, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, uh, if you have any of your own responses, if there's any bits that you missed, is you know, do you do you prefer derived fields or calling functions? You know, in in what situations that we might not have covered, um, please reach out and let us know. It's definitely like not 
a problem exclusive to functional programming, but because of this value-orientedness, uh, it tends to come up more. We just make these richer and richer values. Yeah, open and data. So it's certainly, yeah, with open data. So it's definitely a fun thing. But you can reach us by sending us a tweet at Closure Design, or you can send us email at feedback at closuredesign.club. Or like Johan, you can hop into the Closure Design podcast channel on the Closurian Slack and ask us a question there. You can find our past show notes and episodes on the web at closuredesign.club. Uh, feel free to go and derive uh, value from those. Yes, all sorts of values. <laughs> okay, we'll be back next week to answer another question. Thanks for listening. 